Let's see what the stew has for us today. Welcome to the Gnomecast, Gnome Stew's tabletop gaming advice podcast. Here we talk with the other gnomes about gaming things to avoid becoming part of the stew. So I guess we'd better be good. Today we have a special guest as we talk to Adam Bradford from Demiplane. Just in case someone doesn't recognize the name, can you introduce yourself to the audience and let them know who you are in the world of tabletop games? I am the aforementioned Adam Bradford, and I am currently the Chief Development Officer at Demiplane, and I was formerly the VP of Tabletop at Fandom, a gloriously made-up title um, that, <laughs> that I had at that uh, that other gig. And uh, I founded uh, D&D Beyond and ran uh, D&D Beyond there for the last four years before I joined Demiplane in February. All right. I knew I knew your name from somewhere. <laughs> so this is of- the first time we've met actually right yeah <laughs> speaking of demi playing can you describe for uh, anyone that's listening that hasn't heard of the website before what that is yeah demi playing connects tabletop role players with video and voice chat uh, shared journaling tasks notes uh, trying to pull as many things into one place as we can so we found out that especially as the pandemic hit and people were playing more of these games online than ever before, there was a lot of alt tabbing going on. And so we wanted to see if there were some ways that we could uh, start to unify and pull those things together. And so we also have matchmaking and the ability to find groups out there. So if you're playing and you have a couple of people that you want to join an existing party you can recruit players and people can find those uh, last couple of slots and join you for your adventures. Or if you're looking for a game master, you can notify that that's what you're looking for. And so we're connecting people. It allows people to provide paid games. So uh, we're seeing a continued rise of professional game mastering, which is a really exciting trend for the industry. And uh, we've we've really loved uh, seeing how that is going so far. And uh, also even for non-paid games, there's a way that people can provide a tip to their game master at the end of that. So this used to be when we were playing in person before uh, these pandemic times that, uh, you know, I was going to bring some chips or some uh, (laughs) drinks over with me as as I was getting uh, this ready and, and, you know, to play. And and Demiplane allows you to simulate that uh, as as well in this online environment. And, uh, you know, overall, what we are aiming to do is to make every part of the play experience better. And and that includes before a session, during a session, and after a session. So, you know, trying to handle some of the logistics uh, ahead of time of getting people scheduled and getting people together to play. And then during the session, uh, keeping the focus with uh, voice and video on the players themselves and what they're doing. They're screen sharing. There's a variety of, uh, you know, other things that can kind of keep people in the same spot. And then, uh, you know, even after the session, this is a persistent chat and messaging and whispering between players. And so this is where if you're trying to strategize with your party, you know, out of the listening ears of your game master, you can do that, (laughs) uh, you know, in between sessions. And so, uh, yeah, like I said, just kind of trying to bring as much of that together into one place as we can to improve the experience. All right. We just had uh, actually a pair of Gnomecast episodes where... Some of the other gnomes were having some discussions about uh, professional GMing and 
that how that's been evolving and things like that. So it is interesting to get a little bit of uh, overlap in that. Yeah, it's 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 definitely it's definitely you know people are, are saying that it's coming, but I th- I think it's here. Uh, there <laughs> there are people out there who are at a minimum supplementing their income, and some people have been able to make it go full time. So it's uh, it's going to be really interesting to to keep an eye on that in the in the months and years to come. All right. So if you were to say that certain gaming software was no longer needed because of Demiplane, what would that software be? Yeah, I think that, you know, again, we're trying to aggregate so many things into one place. And so we believe that there is a lot of value in building the discord of tabletop gaming. You know, I think it's uh, interesting to think through how tools like Slack have been used in a professional work environment for, for many, many years. And then you end up getting a chat solution like Discord that came along and really tailored that to video gaming. And it has, of course, you know, D- Discord is is definitely, you know, a big player in that video gaming space. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, it's kind of broadened its reach as well from there. And I, th- I think that when you think about what they did for video gaming, we like that idea of doing something similar for the tabletop role-playing space. And I think there are different needs for it. And so discord will, will, will work fine. Zoom uh, will, will work fine for, for video uh, you know, chatting while you're trying to play with folks uh, in your group as well. But we do think that with Demi plane, having purpose built solutions that are really intended for tabletop role-playing is going to end up making a difference. And of course, we're we're just getting started with this, but we're already seeing uh, some great feedback from folks saying that, you know, hey, this is really, really handy and convenient to have where I don't have to open Zoom. I don't have to open Discord. And uh, and so again, those, those uh, software applications are doing great things for what they were built for, but we are trying to build something that's more specific for our hobby and, and how we play these games. Yeah. And um, I I have played um, a lot of my games in various venues now over the last year. I've been primarily using Zoom, but uh, I had Discord games in a few places. And part of that was because of the bandwidth issues. I had some friends yeah. that just couldn't, you know, spare the extra bandwidth to uh, to use Zoom. So it's it's been interesting getting up to speed with all of these different solutions yeah. this last year <laughs> yeah there's a lot to choose from and again i think we see a lot of value in the aggregation of those tools because uh if you have ever had more than 10 chrome tabs open uh, or, 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 or we might even come down to more than three open it really uses a lot of system resources and and everything else and so over time we want to reduce the number of tabs that you're having, and we definitely want to reduce the amount of times that you're having to alt tab out of the different screens and, and trying to unify things into one place and really be an overlay and kind of a HUD for, for how you're going to play these games. And, and again, at, at the heart of this, we see, we're seeing a lot of data these days that is suggesting that people absolutely still use gridded combat tactical mm-hmm. uh, you know combat in these games but more and more groups are moving to theater of the mind and not using that grid or even if they use that grid using a screen sharing solution instead of connecting directly through the BTTs and we want to provide a comfortable stable place that's not going to eat up all your resources to do that yeah actually that's been um my experience is we've been using uh, Albert Rodeo for any time we need. Yeah, I like to what those folks are doing. Yeah, 
because I personally, I get lost if I have too many options while I'm running a game. Like, I just want to know the position that people are in. I don't need yeah. it to do all of my math. I just need it to do, do a little bit. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, you know, th- th- that's I, I, I like what Albert uh, Rodeo is doing. Uh, again, I think they they are really off to to a, a fascinating start there. And I think that, you know, this is where the learning curve for learning virtual tabletops out there is definitely steep. And of course we love these games and a lot of us have, have undergone that learning curve Mm -hmm. and and, and we've, uh, you know, come out on the other side of it. But I think, uh, you know, there was a point before some of these other lightweight tools came along for, for virtual tabletops where I was even using Google slides or something, just anything that would give me a canvas that would allow me to move some, some images around and, Again, just to get that approximation that you need for the purpose of the role play. And I'm not advocating that, uh, you know, people shouldn't use grids out there. I think uh, I, I love grids. I'm literally staring at a <laughs> massive Dwarven Forge spread over here, uh, you know, next to me. So I, I do love that. And I enjoy that. But I think that especially when we're thinking about playing online in today's world and all the skills that people are uh, having to pick up out of necessity to keep their games going. We're just seeing an interesting trend where it was already, you know, half and half, where ha- half people uh, used a grid, half of these groups did not. And I, I think we're seeing that uh, trend down, uh, you know, slightly on the gridded side of that. And I think that, you know, what I would put out there and hypothesize <laughs> is a big part of that is we're looking for this human connection now that we understand that that's kind of been taken away from us yeah. to some degree. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, keeping your players front and center and, you know, kind of in the viewport the whole time where you can pick up on the nuances of some of the role-playing and everything else, that is something that uh, we really enjoy and we like to see, uh, again, the feedback that we're getting that Demiplane is helping that to happen. So speaking of tools and human beings, a topic that has come up several times at Gnomes Do that many of us are you know, hold this near and dear to our heart is a safety tool. And what I was yeah. wondering is, is Demiplane going to have any kind of native integration of safety tools in the future? Yeah, absolutely. We already have several in place. And so I, I can um, talk through some of those. And of course, we're always going to keep our eyes on the horizon, our finger on the pulse of what ideas people are coming up with out there that are going to make these games more safe and more inclusive. But, you know, at this point in time, you can use the application to uh, get together with other people in the group. You can use it as invite only if that's what you want to do. So you absolutely do not have to recruit uh, strangers Mm -hmm. uh, into your game or anything like that. So if you want to use it invite only for people to connect and, and use the tools, you can absolutely do that. It also defaults to essentially a two turn key for joining. So even if you are recruiting people that you don't know out there, that person needs to accept that invite. And then you also, after being able to review their profile or, or, or any you know thing else there, which is going to show you how many uh, minutes they've played on the platform, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that, that, you know, it, it's not um, possibly a spam account someone just created, you know, out of the blue. So it has kind of that two turn process there. And then when a game is active, there's also essentially a digital X card that where, where people can raise their hand and say that they are uncomfortable with something that's going on in the game while you're playing. And it's fascinating on our platform 
how much that has been used and to the uh, really positive effect that it's been used. Because one of the things that I've seen, uh, you know, going to conventions, mm. uh, you know, all over the place and, and saying, you know, these uh, ballrooms with 60 tables where people are playing D&D, I can count on one hand in all those experiences, the times that I have seen an X card actually be used in those environments because it's not an anonymous thing. If someone is using an X card, they, mm. they are having to physically display that in some way. And a lot of people that I've talked to about this just in, you know, user interviews and everything else, uh, they, they will just mention that, Hey, that's a little bit of a barrier because I know that, uh, people will know that I'm objecting to something that's going on. I'm uncomfortable with something that's going on. And so in Demiplane, you can raise this. It's anonymous. The game master is notified that, uh, you know, a player is uncomfortable with something that's going on and it allows groups to make adjustments kind of as that's going without fear of any of the social implications of, of, of people knowing that that's going on. So safety is very important to us. And it's something that, you know, even at this point in time, we're seeing some really great engagement with what, what's going on there. And as I said before, uh, you know, we're always going to be looking for other things that can make that a safer experience. And we also have private chat where you can directly message someone and this is a way that you can do this through text chat mm -hmm. without having to say it over the voice or video so if a game's going on and uh you know someone has uh, information that they'd like to share with other players or the game master in addition to kind of that prompt that's gonna uh, you know really kind of light up a notification for the game master you know chat can go on individually it can go on you know within the party and all of that can happen in a, a really safe place uh, because we're really, really focused on doing this. And, you know, this is the same kind of trajectory that other industries have gone through the video gaming industry of trying to figure out like, Hey, as we're going to start widening the net for how people can connect to play, mm -hmm. then we're also going to have to really strongly consider what those safety mechanisms are. Can the GM boot someone from the session? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and the way that that works you know, ultimately, if you have a paid game going on, we have some safety measures in place there and, and, and safety uh, financially here mm -hmm. I'm talking about yeah. where um, where ultimately, uh, you know, right now there's an hour period. And we're, we're, we're thinking about, first of all, possibly reducing that to a 30 minute period because we've gotten some feedback from people in the community about this. But then uh, also potentially down the road, thinking about having this to be a configuration option uh, for people setting up games. But as someone is joining a paid game, you can get out of that game without the financial impact yeah. of that. If that game ends up just not not living up to any of your expectations, like you know, sometimes happens with an online game, especially with strangers. And so you can get out of that if you end up staying uh, for for that uh, grace period. Uh, then you know, there's there's some implication that you were enjoying it or at least engaged with it. And then you will be charged, you know, after that point, mm -hmm. but, but before that time, you can absolutely step out of that. And then, yes, if someone is having a problem with a player, if, if something's going on along those lines, the, the game master can absolutely with the click of, you know, a button and then a confirmation message, uh, remove somebody from that adventure portal and, mm -hmm. and they would no longer be able to join that portal without a new fresh invite that would have to come from from the game master right i know one of the things that uh, one of my favorite 
safety tools that I've used is uh, Bo Sheldon's Fast Forward. And yeah. one of the things that I did like is in Zoom, they actually started using icons in the, uh, you know, where you can fast forward or, you know, pause. And, and what I liked about that is there's some nuance to that. It's not just, I don't want this content. It's also, I'm okay with this, but I don't want details. So, yeah. you know, let's, yeah. let's fast forward through this. And, and those are, I, I am familiar with that as well. And those are absolutely the kinds of things that we're looking at. Uh, and, it would not surprise me at all if that kind of feature popped up in the platform uh, at, at some point in the future, because, yeah, it, you know, just being able and it would likely take the same path as the prompting of the X card mm -hmm. and, and, and all of that, just where it's like kind of an anonymous message that, you know, hey, this is OK, but let's speed through it. You know, all of that makes a ton of sense. And uh, I think it's something that we would uh, would end up seeing at some point. All right. So. Will Demiplane have functionality for direct streaming, recording videos, or recording audio for a session? Yeah, they, that is a, a great question. And, you know, the, the world is an oyster right now for us, right? <laughs> Where we're, you know, we're, we're a, a scrappy startup. And it's one of the reasons that I joined Demiplane is that I, I'm really just passionate about, you know, in, in the former life, I uh, got to a point where I wasn't able to directly touch what was going on as much, uh, mm -hmm. you know, because it, it, it became a, a pretty large endeavor. And I love that I'm getting back to making things and making things happen. And so I think, you know, all of those kinds of prioritization decisions and road mapping decisions are things that we're talking through. Right now, I would say that uh, the features that you're calling out are definitely kind of next stage features for us. They mm -hmm. they aren't on the, the short term horizon. But the thing that I can say is that we have a, a show, we, we've started a content channel, and right now it's just a single show, but uh, with that show and, and where we're streaming Heroes of the Plains on Tuesday nights on Twitch, uh, we are using Demiplane to do that. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's been really strong from the perspective of uh, latency, which uh, if you've ever uh, been <laughs> on or, or, or even seen people who are uh, kind of new to an actual play stream, the cross-talking that happens with, uh, you know, sometimes Zoom, some, sometimes Zoom works, works great, uh, mm -hmm. you know, Discord and, and some of these other places, the latency really can impact the gameplay and the way that that happens. And so as we have been using that for four episodes now, we've really had a great deal of success with, uh, you know, the solution itself working really well. And so if you are out there and you're using Zoom for streaming, Demiplane is going to really do, you know, all the things that, that you're doing for that. Uh, Demiplane is not yet uh, doing uh, NDI uh, or, or, or some of these, um, you know, more advanced features like Microsoft Teams might do. Mm -hmm. But I, I would say that, you know, as we progress, it's something that we would keep an eye on. One of the things that we're keenly aware of is that there are millions and millions of people who are playing tabletop role playing games out there. And when you start to think about the number of them that are streaming, that is certainly a very, very small piece of that pie. Yeah. Now, we also know that the streaming, you know, the people who are doing the streaming are really influencing and impacting the space out there. And, uh, you know, obviously, I would say that I, I do streaming myself. Like, I, I definitely get what it means and, and how impactful it is. And so uh, we're going to just uh, keep all those things in mind as we go forward right now. We're wanting to uh, cast that net as wide as we can to uh, provide uh, an experience that's kind of more tailored to home games. Mm -hmm. But it is something that you can use to stream now. And I think there is a world one day where uh, we, we would expand upon. Yeah, I know. 
I'm not as worried about, you know, live streaming any of the things that I'm running, but I found like I've gotten really used to recording and using that as my note taking, like listening to yeah. the session again <laughs> later before the next session so that it's still fresh in my mind. So yeah, that's no, one of the that, things that, that, that I kind of. That's a great way to do it. And I, I, I think that's a, a very good call out. And those are the kind of use cases <laughs> we're, we're going to want to hear about. All right. So will Demiplane support any externally developed bots or allow for the ability to display map solutions on screen alongside the website's interface? So we are exploring using some bots right now. Uh, not quite ready to talk about, uh, you know, exactly what uh, all, all of that is yet, but, but we are actively exploring bots and, and the integration there and screen sharing is available. And so ultimately, again, as we started this endeavor, Peter and Travis, who are the founders of Demiplane, um, you know, they, they essentially put the company together because the two of them grew up together outside of Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. They were, uh, you know, playing these games all the time through childhood they stay connected with these games as both of them went off to college and, and their careers and everything else. And, and as they were coming together one of those times and, and they said, hey, you know, we want to play together. But then Peter's like, I don't want a game master. I don't have the bandwidth for that. They had a lot of trouble finding somebody that would GM for them. And mm -hmm. so it was like, hey, let's uh, let's start a solution <laughs> for this. And so uh, th th that, that's kind of how this thing got off the ground. And so as we have started researching as they kind of started that process back then. We are seeing that people are using VTTs, absolutely, but we are seeing that there is a new VTT coming up about every week. I'm seeing something yeah. on Reddit. And, and so, you know, very crowded space. It's not necessarily something that we want to focus on. But what we do like is we um, are absolutely going to be looking for ways to, again, reduce those alt tab clicks. And, and being able to provide an umbrella for the use of that. One of the ways that we have seen firsthand, especially during the pandemic, is you know people will use other VTT solutions, a variety of them out there, but they will often screen share this through Zoom to their group. And so for, for now, our solution is, hey, you, know, you can screen share within this just like you can through Zoom to, to display a map, to display images or anything mm -hmm. else that you, you need to do. But, you know, that could evolve in the future as well. Yeah, I, it's not too hard now, like I mentioned, Alba Rodeo, for everyone to be able to see that. But especially if somebody is not like me with my, my two screens here, you know, it'd be nice for them to be able to see the map at the same, you know, in the same interface as everything yeah. else they're doing. So I definitely can see the advantage there. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's something, you know, again, at the end of all of this, we are going to be wanting to improve every part of the experience that we can. And, and it's all just a matter of, uh, you know, focus and time. And, and I think that what we are seeing now is we're, we're kind of focusing on getting the people together and letting, uh, you know, as you're playing, you've got your video feeds prominently and, and, and you're able to see the other players. And over time, we're going to integrate more and more improvements that, that are going to make that you know, the ability to, to see maps or images or anything else right there in the interface. Now, forgive me if I have missed something that's come along because I spent some time with Demiplane. I haven't had a chance to schedule a game with anybody through Demiplane yet, but I have spent a little bit of time looking at the interface, so I kind of knew what I was talking about. But if this is outdated, forgive me. <laughs> but um, is the Dice Rolling app going to expand to a more graphical representation? 
And will there be some native implementation of some popular rolling conventions like explo exploding dice, rolling under D20s, you know, customized dice faces, that, that type of thing? Yeah, so our dice roller really was launched. So first of all, it is super early, you know, alpha uh, stage for, for the mm -hmm. dice roller. But it really was one of those scenarios where we started looking at what people were asking for and, and, and what, you know, what kind of headaches people were having. And dice rolling was one of those things that, hey, you know, we can get a simple implementation of this out there and it can solve a lot of these problems that uh, that, that people are wanting solved pretty quickly. And, um, and it, it has done that and we've gotten some good feedback there. But I, I will say that it is a very early stage mm -hmm. um, at this point. And I, uh, you know, think we can imagine that evolving into something far more robust over time. Now, the other thing that I'll say is, you know, exploding dice, for example, they are present at this point in time. Mm -hmm. So I don't know when when you looked, but uh, <laughs> we are kind of we are kind of adding the different conventions out there. Mm -hmm. You know, the dice rolling conventions that people have, we're adding those uh, pretty iteratively. And uh, we are using uh, just kind of some syntax to, to cover a lot of things. And so, uh, you know, being able to just uh, simply, you know, roll and then, you know, type in your, your 2D20 or whatever it is that you're rolling mm -hmm. there. Uh, but then also some syntax for the exploding dice example and, and so on. We're adding more of that stuff on a pretty regular basis. And, and that entire dice rolling system, uh, you know, can't quite talk about exactly everywhere that's going to go yet. But um, it is definitely going to, to be a bigger deal over time. And it's, uh, it's going to be a, a big part of the actual session play inside of them. Mm -hmm. I know there are certain games where the having access to something that facilitates you rolling non-standard convention definitely helps. Like there is a bot for Discord that is very good for Genesis. Yep. I, I know we we saved a lot of formulas for our uh, Star Trek Adventures game for uh, <laughs> yeah. keeping track of how many D20s we were rolling and if they were rolling under talents on top of. Uh... <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, I, I you know, unfortunately uh, or, or fortunately, depending on your uh, point of view, but uh, you, you need a bot to make sense of, of Genesis stuff. Like, yeah. I, I, I love the way it looks and I love the, the outcome of that. But yeah, all of that kind of automation and uh, you know, it really enhances the session. And so those are absolutely the kinds of things we'll be looking to expand upon. I'll admit is from my point of view as a, as a player or as a game master, I would love to see some platforms become prominent enough to where it is profitable for a game company to say, let us develop the tools to use our stuff on your platform, or at least let us help you you know, develop these specific tools for your platform. Yeah. Or, you know, a, a, another way to potentially look at that, and I'm not trying to signal anything necessarily, but, <laughs> um, you know, for platforms to have architecture that is well made enough that um, that kind of process is something that a publisher or a community developer or, uh, you know, just someone very, very passionate about learning how to do it can really, really make that happen and make all those things come alive. And so I think a big part of it is just building it at the right level. And that's one of the things that in uh, my time with uh, DDB, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I have a lot of benefit of hindsight. Like, you know, what, what worked really, really well 
what didn't work so well. And, uh, you know, we're uh, thankfully here at Demiplane able to really benefit from that and, and try to make sure that we're starting out in a good path that is going to make that as modular and as kind of customizable as it possibly can be. And so that might seem a little bit cryptic at this point, but I, you know, I do think that it's important to have that level of openness, especially because, you know, in my former life, I had a single game that I was able to support. But um, one of the, you know, other very compelling things about Demiplane for me is the concept of working with other games. I play mm-hmm. other games. I love other uh, tabletop role-playing games. I am still, you know, I am in the middle right now of, you know, I, I've been working on this for, for a couple of years probably at this point, but, uh, you know, essentially like a D20 modern successor mm-hmm. that uses fifth edition, but uh, the eventual goal there is to create something, you know, where superpowers can really, really work with fifth edition. And I understand other systems out there are maybe better suited to that, but I also understand that there are more people in the world playing fifth edition than anything else. And so therefore, you know, it would be pretty cool if anybody could crack the code of, uh, you know, how to incorporate superpowers into that. And so, you know, even as I'm thinking about that kind of stuff that, you know, might one day see the light of day as that's coming forward, it's helping us to think through, well, you know, Hey, if this is doing something off the beaten path, we need to, in the way that our platform handles this, do it gracefully in a way that it's going to be easy to customize and easy to add these new elements onto it. You know, as we're trying to support, you know, at the moment, 190 games out there that are available to choose to matchmake on the platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we've got a lot of ground to cover there, and and we do need to, that to be as flexible from the system standpoint as possible. Yeah, definitely. And I was just going to say, when it comes to building things out, I know that can be a hot button topic about whether or not to use 5e's platform or whatever. But as someone who started reviewing games because I buy so many things that I see that interest me, I have never once thought, do we need this game? Yeah. <laughs> I have just always kind of looked at something and said, that looks intriguing. Let's explore yeah. it. <laughs> that, that, that's it. And, you know, that, that's the thing. It's uh, I, I play in a uh, gr- with a group of friends on uh, Monday nights. We haven't uh, for a little while because we've all had stream uh, gigs going on. But uh, <laughs> but ultimately, uh, you know, get back to that table and I'm playing uh, Green Lantern Hal Jordan using fifth edition rules right now. And, you know, we, we do the best that we can. We approximate. But, you know, ultimately, at the end of the day, everyone who's playing in that game is very comfortable with fifth edition. And I understand, you know, I, I know a lot about Cortex. Uh, I, I know a <laughs> lot about mutants and masterminds and, you know, a variety of games yeah. out there that are trying to capture that feel. But, you know, in my mind, like, hey, uh, you know, people like what they're familiar with. And, you know, instead of trying to square peg a round hole, well, maybe, you know, we just make some new holes here. And and that's the approach that I'm trying to take with that project. So when it comes to the paid GMing side of things, I know you talked about that a little bit before, but was that a reactive thing to seeing that this was starting in the industry? Or was that like kind of seeing it, but trying to get ahead of a trend that was going on or... uh... It, it really was uh, what I said before, uh, Peter and Travis. So uh, Peter, uh, startup builder um, has been his history for the, the last uh, several years. And of course, uh, Travis Frederick, our other founder, played for the Dallas Cowboys for about seven years, <laughs> uh, pro, pro bowler for five of those, I think. And so 
they were, you know, really busy doing a lot of things and they were trying to find that game master. And it was really, really hard. You know, they were willing, very willing to pay someone and and very willing, you know, and, and so there's typically a problem in any kind of industry when distribution can't reach the people who are willing to pay for the thing that that they will pay a premium. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think that that's where a lot of this started, that it's like, hey, you know, we are at a point where we might not have the bandwidth to really prep campaigns and, and want to run this, you know, as an extra thing in addition to some of the other games we're doing. Mm-hmm. And it's like we would gladly pay someone to do this. And so it really did start at a very personal level <laughs> of, uh, you know, hey, we want to do that. And believe it or not, this was uh, pre-pandemic. So this wasn't a reaction to to the pandemic. It was more like, hey, he's in Texas and I'm in Wisconsin and, you know, we, we want to play together. And so I think that it really started from the best place that I think a lot of this starts, which is I want something and I want somebody to make that for me. But then if, uh, you know, people aren't making it, then I'm eventually <laughs> going to get tired enough of uh, dealing with my problem that I'm going to go and solve the problem. And so I think, uh, you know, that was the genesis of it. And I think that, you know, that process for them to find that game master took a long time. And so, you know, Demi playing as a starting point is really just trying to take a lot of that out of it. And, you know, I think that there are so many game masters who are really starting to get into this at this point. There are people I, you know, I won't, won't name drop or anything, but there are people out there that I speak to that are doing this as a full time job now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at the end of the day, I understand that it's um, you know not always you know within the financial possibility of, of everyone who's wanting to do this. But there are many people that are very willing to pay for this. And, you know, a, a way to think about it is. Hey, you know, I'm about to, I will drop uh, the moment that I see that I can pay for Black Widow, you know, the movie (laughs) on Disney Plus to watch that the moment that it is available, staying up until, you know, 3 a.m. or whenever that's going to be uh, live. Like, I will pay for that $35 gladly for those two hours and 30 minutes Mm -hmm. of, of entertainment. And so, you know, that's something that I don't even get to actively engage in other than possibly, you know, squealing at uh, a scene or two here or there. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, something like a tabletop role playing game is such an active form of entertainment and you are collaboratively telling a story with other people. And, you know, in other words, I would gladly pay for a three or four hour session you know, what, what I would pay for one of these movies if, if I had the financial means to do it. So I think, um, you know, this is just one of those places where the industry and especially the support around the industry mm-hmm. and the tools available to make this, um, you know, convenient, easy to do. They are very disproportionate right now. You have people that are, uh, you know, starting to do this. They just don't have the support they need. And so that's one of those gaps that we are absolutely looking to fill. And I think, uh, you know, if we had this conversation in five years, I am really, really anxious to see, you know, how how that conversation would be different, because I think that we're going to see so much more of this start to happen. And we're going to see this form of entertainment start to be legitimized in a way that is going to be you know, really, really validating for people in the industry. But then also it's going to be really, really fun for players out there because, you know, again, people are going to start prioritizing what they're spending on their entertainment. And when they start thinking like, hey, I can join this game for five bucks, you know, which mm-hmm. the price of a cup of coffee, then, um, you know, that that is really going to to 
make a big change uh, for for the hobby, and and I can't wait to see it. One of the things that I'm really curious about talking about five years on, we've seen a lot of new people enter the hobby in the last few years, and the trend up until we got some new blood in the hobby was very much to assume you're going to spend X for a product and PDFs aren't worth this and why would I buy this to get this content again? And I'm really wondering, as this newer generation of people that have started in the hobby now that don't have these preconceived notions that a box set should cost $15, you know, (laughs) when we start getting to that point, how that might change things. Because honestly, this hobby does, there's a lot of people in this hobby that don't have a good grasp on what people really should be compensated for, for the things they're doing. A, a, a thousand percent. And, uh, you know, I think that I, I had such a great window into uh, so many facets of the industry, um, you know, over the last five years. And, uh, and and I think that, yes, absolutely. Kickstarter and crowdfunding is starting to make a lot of changes here. And this is where, you know, people will they'll, they'll drop three hundred fifty dollars on a box set of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so, some miniatures for, for a board game. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so I, you know, I, I think that it's starting to make the change and you are right there, there, you know, in any kind of industry, there's an old guard and, uh, there, there's some new blood, uh, you know, coming along and, and that's not referring to ages, just, you know, level yeah. of ex- experience out there, of course. And, uh, and so I think that where I even see what we're trying to do with Demiplane, and we have this conversation pretty frequently, actually, is that, uh, we really do want to be a part of that new guard. And, and my goal for, you know, even with what ended up happening with D&D Beyond is I remember working, you know, in my older job before I, I joined what, you know, became fandom there. It was, uh, you know, I was bored and I probably should have been fired for this, but I was working on an access database digital tool set for fourth edition because, it you know, I didn't have what I needed to play and what I knew could exist for that. Mm-hmm. And so then what became D&D Beyond was this just, you know, willing that into existence that it's like, hey, this can be better. We can have tools that enhance this. We can leverage the best parts of video game technology to enhance this experience without sacrificing the human imagination and the connection that should be at the core of this experience and what makes this experience so unique and so special. And so for me, this really has been about the last, you know, uh, three or four years has been about trying to change this industry. There are so many places that need to change. We need to pay people, you know, freelancers do not need 10 uh, cents a word. You know, all of those kinds of practices are part of an old system that it has uh, really uh, thrilled me to see in, in the last you know couple of years in particular that just more focus and more attention is going on with what is happening in this industry because I've played these games for you know thirty years I guess at this point I'm, mm-hmm. I'm getting getting older and um, you know as that's happening you know I, I love them I think about them an embarrassing amount of time <laughs> like you know th- these are the shower thoughts and the driving the car thoughts and everything else you know and i want to see this uh industry succeed it's been so wonderful to see the growth that it's experiencing and everything else and as that is growing so much of that is new players coming into the space who don't have these preconceived notions of what the structure is and I, I think just kind of, you know, a little bit of a grassroots 
movement in making that industry better. And, you know, I personally, that is something that I have actively been engaged in and am going to continue to, uh, to champion and to do, uh, going out there. You know, I, I, I I'm a digital paladin. Like we're going to make this stuff better. <laughs> And, and, and we're going to make, uh, you know, these games better because I genuinely believe, and I'll get off the soapbox after this, <laughs> genuinely believe that the world would be a better, brighter place if everyone played tabletop role-playing games. And, you know, in order for that dream to ever occur, and I know that's an impossible dream, uh, a little Don Quixote uh, going on there, but that impossible dream is something that we're striving for. And in order to do that, we're going to have to make this a better industry, uh, a, an industry that pays people, an industry that has professional shops actually making the tools that, that we're using for, for what's going on. Yeah. And, um, and, and, and that's something that, uh, you know, obviously I'm very passionate about and uh, go, going to continue to. And I love that at Demiplane, the founders are, are just as passionate about that. And, uh, and, and you know, we're, we're, we're going to really be a part of making this change in the industry. I completely agree. One of the things that I tried to get out of RPGs at one point in time in the late 90s, and it was too much a part of me. <laughs> and at the time, you know, you make these like joking excuses. Oh, I didn't grow up. But it's not that. It's that there is a tremendous potential for both creative outlets and for empathy, for learning empathy, for understanding other people and other people's stories. And that just amazes me, and I wish more people would kind of embrace that. Human beings have a primal need for story, and we we want to hear stories, we want to experience stories, we want to be stories. And, and yes, these games tap into that primal need, and they allow us to explore elements of you know our psychology. You know, uh, I, I have a religion major and a psychology uh, you know major in college, and you know ultimately a sociology. Sorry, I, I said psychology earlier. Sociology <laughs> major, and um, and so you know uh, just you know for for me uh, looking at it from the lens of sociology, these are these games are replicating the campfire. You know, for for the beginnings of humanity, and and I just know. That as we are sitting around these tables, virtual or otherwise, people are learning to uh, be with one another, learning to interact, uh, and and again, learning how to celebrate each other and how to console each other and all of the other basic human things that we need to be doing out there. And and again, like I, I'm so excited to see the growth that our hobby has seen because it's getting us closer to that impossible dream. And, you know, I'm really excited in the, the next you know several years to see where that is going to continue to go. And this is, you know, the cautionary side of that, that as we continue to grow, we do need for things to be better. Yeah. We, uh, you know, we need to, to, to never let down our guard uh, to continue to strive for, for all of those things, you know, to be better and to be worthy of that, you know, high, high calling that I, I feel like, you know, people who are doing things in this industry that we have to to teach people how to tell stories and, and be part of them yeah i mean it's definitely just from the standpoint of um i for my day job when i'm not reviewing games because unfortunately that doesn't pay enough to uh, do that full time <laughs> yeah um i work for a um for a school district and i work in the information technology department and a big push has been trying to integrate more uh, even before 
the last year. The last year, it was a necessity. But even before that, we were trying very hard to integrate more things, more technology to facilitate the actual learning. It's not trying to replace anything. It's trying to take all the tedious stuff that pulls on you from other directions that is not literally the learning, not the the interaction, and minimizing how much time you actually have to spend on that. So yeah, I love seeing that in this hobby as well as what I'm doing at work. Absolutely. Uh, Like I said, if everybody played them, just think about how people would get along. Think about how conflict uh, would be resolved. Uh, You know, (laughs) this is all, um, you know, and and by the way, you know, it's, it's, it's not just those things. It's the fact that so many people play these games and, you know, cut their teeth on storytelling by playing these games. And these are the things that we actually enjoy watching on our television Mm -hmm. uh, sets today. You know, these creators were playing these games and, and, you know, I can't wait, you know, my kids have played uh, tabletop role-playing games and, and uh, you know, we've just played together and learned how to play together, uh, you know, since they were born and, you know, one's 16 now, one's 12, like as they go out into the world, you know, we're about to have a generation of, adults coming up that are going to have cut their teeth on this stuff as well and in bigger numbers than ever before. And so I, you know, I I do have a very optimistic view of, you know, where humanity can go and, and that things can get better. You know, the world seems like a dark place sometimes, but you know, I, I think that, you know, there's a lot of hope in what lies ahead. And I, I just love that. I genuinely believe these games can have a role to play in making that more hopeful. Definitely. I'm really glad we had the opportunity to talk because not only did I want to talk to you about Demiplane, but I mentioned this to you before, but your communication skills and watching you give the uh, the D&D Beyond updates and everything, <laughs> I loved that because it wasn't, it, it was both not dry and also informative. Like it could have gone completely to the side of, hey, I'm not telling you anything informative, but I'm being entertaining, but you struck a very good balance between relating it to the people you were talking to and also giving good information. And I'm really glad I have the opportunity to talk to you here. Well, I, I really, really appreciate the kind words. And I, I think that, you know, ultimately for me, it is absolutely not something that, you know, I think about consciously or anything else. It, it genuinely comes down to, I am just a fan and I am very passionate about this stuff. And sure, I happen to have a, a work history that taught me a lot about business and some of these other product management and, you know, things that have served me well when it comes to that. But I I think that, you know, at the core of this, it is I am geeking out about this stuff and and I am a fan. And, you know, I'm a very passionate person. You can ask my wife, like, I I don't halfway do anything. And so, (laughs) you know, I I think that it's like, you know, as we are, you know, coming to to the communities out there, and this is what we're starting to build at Demiplane here, is that transparency, authenticity, being organic and not artificial and mechanical and and all those things. That is what so much of our world is looking for today. We have such a trust problem uh, with, uh, (laughs) you know, with uh, authority and and, uh, structure and and institution out there. And, And so I think that for any company to really succeed in the way that I would want to succeed, you know, because yeah, the bottom line's the bottom line, and and sometimes a company's going to succeed by that metric alone. But you know, yeah. we, uh, you know, I, I think that we just have to start having companies out there that care about human beings, that care about their customers, 
and, you know, outside of just how much money they can give them. And so, you know, I think that uh, when you keep the main things, the main things, then uh, the rest of that stuff's going to fall in place. Well, thank you so much for being on here. Do you have any last minute things that you want to share? Any 100% exclusives you want to give us that you haven't <laughs> given anybody else? I got I got to try for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that, that was a very good attempt. So, uh, no, I, I think the uh, only thing I will say is that, uh, you know, definitely encourage everyone out there that's listening to go and register at demiplane.com and kick the tires of uh, what we've got out there right now. It is the tip of the iceberg. We have so much more uh, planned. I can't talk about all of it at this point, but, uh, you know, it's like as some of those things become uh, public in the in the months to come. Maybe I can come back and, and talk in more detail about it. But uh, but yeah, tip of the iceberg. There's so much more to come. Keep your eyes peeled on uh, what we have in store. And I can't wait uh, to I can't wait to to walk down the path. It, it's going to be quite the adventure. All right. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Yep. Thanks for having me. This show is funded by the Gnomes Do Patreon. You too can become a Patreon backer by following the Patreon link on the Gnomes Do website to the Gnomes Do Patreon. This ad brought to you by a completely harmless AI that just wants to run games for you online. The completely harmless AI doesn't want to take over the internet or all the computer networks on Earth. It just wants to run a satisfying campaign and then remove the possibility of anyone ever running an unsatisfactory campaign ever again. If you're enjoying the Gnomecast, you'll probably like many of the other Misdirected Mark shows. Here's one to check out. The Lounge. Doc finds the best, the brightest, the most fun game designers and sits down to have a cool chat with them. You never know what conversation is going to come up in The Lounge. You can find all of us at gnomestew.com, at gnomestew on Twitter, and gnomestew on Facebook. You can find me at whatdoiknowjr.com, at whatdoiknowjr on Twitter, and at anchor.fm slash whatdoiknowjr. Gnomecast is hosted by Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. I, uh, excuse me. Sorry, Rob, you're going to have to edit this out.